This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And today, we're going to be talking about a subject that is so important to every business owner, every entrepreneur, you know what, even every employee, if that's what you are. And so we're going to have so much, and we might even talk a little bit of branding, some things like that, because I have a guest who is fabulous with us today. So please join me in wel- welcoming Alan Adamson to our program today. Welcome, Alan. Thanks, Deb. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. You know, it, it's so funny. You have a bio that is pages long because you are that qualified. And But we condensed it into just a paragraph because we want to be able to make sure to have plenty of time to talk with you. So let me uh, tell people a little bit about you. So Alan Adams, Adamson is a noted industry expert in all disciplines of branding. He is co-founder and managing partner of Metaforce.co and the author of Brand Simple, Brand Digital, The Edge, 50 Tips from Brands That Lead, and his fourth book, Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. He also writes a monthly column on branding for Forbes.com. Prior to founding Metaforce, Alan was chairman of the North American division of Landor Associates, the global branding firm. So, for people who really want to know more about Alan, please go to his website um, to, to read more about him because he's done such fabulous things. But again, p- uh, welcome, Alan, to our program. Thanks, and thanks for not reading the whole bio. <laughs> you know, it, it is an absolutely great bio, and I love reading them because it lets me know more about my guests um, and, and their qualifications and, more importantly, about their passions. So let's talk a little bit about that before we jump into all of this. Tell us why you decided to start Metaphors. I, I decided to start it because more and more clients were coming to, uh, to our firm, uh, Landor, before with, with challenges that branding and marketing couldn't help. It wasn't a question of their advertising not being effective or their uh, PR not working or their, or their brand strategy not being good. Mm-hmm. More and more, it was a question of that they were becoming their father's Oldsmobile. They were, they were not that relevant. Even mm-hmm. if I got people to pay attention to what they were doing and who they were and why mm-hmm. they existed, people said, yeah, but that's, that's, that's not as interesting and double click. Mm-hmm. So um, I realized that, that brand is important and branding is important and marketing. But if your core business is becoming irrelevant, uh, then you need to address that first. And right. I wondered if it was just me or was this happening across the board? So I went out and researched, uh, spent a couple of years researching with my NYU colleague, uh, over 100 companies, um, mm-hmm. and found out that, you know, this was a challenge for big companies, small companies, public companies, private companies, uh, startups, um, nonprofits, and individuals, as you alluded to in the beginning as well. Mm-hmm. Well, and you mentioned the key word, and, and that's really what we want to talk about, and that's about staying relevant. And again, it doesn't matter what size company you are, we absolutely positively have to stay relevant in today's business world, but that's that's tricky, that's hard, that's scary. I mean, you know, I'm, I, I, I like my little place where I am, you know, I'm comfortable here, this is what I've budgeted for, you know, all those various things, and so that's why you wrote Shift Ahead. So tell us a little bit more, just initially, what do you mean by Shift Ahead? Well, if, if being relevant is mission critical for people and companies and really anyone, and everyone knows that, it's not a, you know, if you, if you tell people at a business school class, well, you need to make sure your company is still relevant to your customers or your... They go, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, <laughs> and so, you know, it's not, the theory is, is not hard. It's, you know, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, as you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was hoping when I spoke to and did the research uh, 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 that we would find 
four or five simple things that you can do. Uh, just follow these three steps and you don't have to go to the gym anymore and uh, you can still eat Twinkies. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, by and large, most companies, big and small, uh, public and failed. Mm-hmm. Um, so there were many, many more ways to come off the track uh, than there were to get to the finish line. But actually thinking about all the obvious things that prevent people from shifting ahead mm-hmm. uh, turned out to be the best strategy for shifting ahead. If you could prevent yourself from making you know, lots of mistakes, you had a higher chance of being able to stay relevant. Right. You know, and it was interesting when I was reading your book because you do have all these great examples of what not to do. And as you read them, you kind of think, well, duh. But then you also think, but how do I keep that from happening? Um, you know, and, and I, you know, I kind of alluded to some of those. We're comfortable. We like where we are. We know what this is. You know, and, and I always love that this is the way we've always done things rationale. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, an even bigger one is resources, uh, both money and personnel. You know, your, your employees, your staff, your, your whoever does X. And you know, getting them to do why might be a little bit difficult. Plus, it's going to cost money and all of these various things. And and so, let's talk about these more in detail. What really are some of the the factors that prohibit people from, or you know, limit people from shifting ahead? Well, you know, the first one is actually stepping even back further. And um, why this has become more critical is that the world is moving faster. It used to be, mm-hmm. if you know. Y- y- you were in business, things, you know, if you did what you did yesterday and did a little better, for 95% of businesses, that was good. That mm-hmm. was very good. Uh, but as the world continues to uh, spin faster, not only in technology, but every other category, uh, just, just following that has become challenging. And the most, the most common issue is just realizing human nature. We, we talk about it in the book is, you know, too many of us uh, are like Marty Crane in the old Frasier show. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you remember that show. I but want Marty, my chair. <laughs> yeah. And he, he was, you know, he, he liked his old chair. And, and you just need to go into this knowing that your, your, your status quo is that you're from the, the past is you know, familiar, is more comfortable. Mm-hmm. You are more comfortable doing what you did yesterday than trying something new tomorrow. And you just need to realize that as you look at the world, you're, if, you do, if you don't push yourself, you're going to be sitting in Marty Crane's chair watching people zoom by. And it may be comfortable, uh, but you know, every hour you're in the chair, you're becoming more irrelevant. And while it's hard to imagine yourself as Marty Crane, if you, if you realize that you know, that's where you're starting from, you're starting from the end zone, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it, it, uh, it helped many of the organizations we talked to. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and one of the things that I find interesting about that is for many people, we became entrepreneurs or we are entrepreneurs because we're risk takers. We wanted to do things differently or, you know, we got tired of corporate America, all those various things, but then we get stuck. You know, we do find our comfortable chair and we think, okay, this is where I'm going to stay. And, you know, and it doesn't matter if, if it's, you know, one person or the, the large companies and you know, I, I love the fact that in your book, you talk about examples of large companies, large as in bazillion dollar companies, but, you know, and, and their successes and their failures, but we can all relate to those. So let's talk about some of the companies that refused to shift ahead for whatever reasons, um, you know, and, and I think one of the ones that always comes to my mind is, is one of the ones that you mentioned, and that's Kodak. Um, you know, so talk a little bit more about that. And, and, you know, it's funny because I'm of that generation where I had my little brownie camera and, you know, and, and the, the, the rolls of film, you know, and, and all those various things. And now, I mean, Kodak still exists, but certainly not the behemoth that they used to be. Yeah. And uh, I had the privilege uh, uh, of working with Kodak at a couple of times in my career mm-hmm. when, when Kodak was still um, synonymous with pictures. Mm-hmm. where Kodak was on every corner, not only uh, around the block, but every corner around the block in the world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you could go anywhere and say, you know, what is Kodak? And people would say, that's, that's, that's the way you take pictures. Right. And uh, having worked on that, I, I, I did, you know, watch it uh, from the time of its, uh, uh, when it was at the top of its game, if you will, and uh, 
I was just at a concert uh, last week with Paul Simon singing Kodachrome, mm-hmm. which was a type of Kodak film for your right. listeners that don't remember. And all those uh, these poor little millennials. <laughs> yeah. And uh, still a good song. And anyway, um, uh, I, I always assumed that just, gee, they just didn't see the digital train right. coming down the pike. You know, mm-hmm. the, you know, they were just. And so uh, I spoke to some of my former clients and did some uh, pretty extensive research about people that were there when they were at the top of the mountain. And people that were there as they slid down the mountain and disappeared. And, you know, one of the more interesting findings was, um, there were two interesting findings uh, that I want to talk about this morning. Um, One was um, uh, that uh, they knew the digital change was coming. Mm -hmm. They had a terrific uh, research and folk uh, market team that five, six years before digital made Kodak irrelevant, uh, they they knew that digital photography would overtake film photography, mm-hmm. and they had tons of research, and they were incredibly um, accurate in their forecast, which mm-hmm. actually made it more. And so, if you see the train coming down the track, not just in the last ten seconds, and you can't get out of the way, but if you see it coming down for years, and you still get run over, you know, then you got to say, well, there's got to be more than Marty Crane's chair and just sitting there, right? You know, if your whole company's getting heck? run over, <laughs> and, and so. We had to dig a little deeper, and mm-hmm. there were a couple other things that affect many, many businesses that prevented them from getting off the tracks before they were run over. Mm-hmm. Um, and one was something we call um, the uh, golden handcuffs, and that you know, part of the more successful your business is, the more profitable your business is uh, of any size, the harder it is to shift. So mm-hmm. Kodak. Uh, had optimized their film business globally to the point that that their profit margin on every picture you took was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that kept Wall Street happy because every right. quarter they say, look at this, we're going to pile some more golden eggs in your pockets. Mm-hmm. And um, But the other side of that equation is that almost anything else they tried to do, including digital and other businesses they tried to get into, was less profitable. Right. You know, nothing. Just you know, initial startup costs, all those right, various Right. So if they made, you know, a 50% or 60% or 7% margin on every picture you took, the only thing for sure is that on any new thing they did, they would make a 5% margin, 2% margin, or they may even lose money. Mm-hmm. So um, they couldn't get the organization because they were needed to deliver the same profit level or more profit every year. You know, they couldn't free themselves from the golden handcuffs of Wall Street to say, look, I don't care what you're thinking about digital, you know, sell more film because you make a lot of money in that and give me another golden goose egg. So they were not able to make something, you know, we call asymmetrical bets. So we were not able inside that big company to take money from the film team and give it to new businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, because of that, um, they, you know, had to know the train was coming, but they, uh, they got run over. Mm-hmm. The other thing that was interesting from the Kodak story is that, we'll talk about it later perhaps, is that even though they had a small group that was trying to, they have a lot of digital patents, people knew that. And, mm-hmm. they, you know, they, they were, not everyone there was uh, asleep at the switch. <laughs> uh, they knew digital would be the thing. Mm-hmm. But um, to succeed at digital required a different type of, um, as we call it in the book, you know, DNA, company culture, company skill set. Mm-hmm. And you know, it, uh, Joel and I talked. It, if we, you know, we if we want to be basketball players, we're both you know five eight. Uh, we could have spent you know hours uh, on the court practicing, but it's unlikely the NBA was right. going to come ringing our doorbell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and same with Kodak. They were they were great, but when you dug into the culture mm-hmm. of the company, they were chemical people because mm-hmm. film was a chemical process. Right. They were sales and chemical people, mm-hmm. and they didn't have the the muscle, the DNA of the new emerging digital world. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was a very big board meeting during the middle of this and half the board wanted to sell um, uh, the, the, the uh, film business mm-hmm. um, or the, the chemical business. They were into pharmaceuticals like Sterling drug and, uh, and half the board said, no, we're going to be digital. And um, turns out the pieces of the company they ended up selling off are still worth billions today, Eastman mm-hmm. chemical and, part of the uh, Bayer franchise. Hmm. Um, And so that they made the digital decision that that's the path they wanted to go. Mm -hmm. 
but they didn't have this, the human capital, the DNA, the skill set to win that game. So if you're going to shift, uh, you know, for one, you know, it's better, you know, to, uh, to, 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 you know, shift early and not wait for the sky to start falling. Mm-hmm. But two, make sure you've got the skill set, talent, DNA, uh, to win the new game, not just um, take the same people you have and uh, don't give them any training and say, now you've been selling, you've, you've been a chemical company, now you want to be a digital company. Just, you can't snap your finger and make right. change like that. Right. You know, and, and that is where it is so difficult because you you might not have those resources. And, uh, you know, whether you're a publicly traded company, you know, you mentioned the fact that Wall Street doesn't like it when all of a sudden you start, you know, spending all this money on on other things. Or just, you know, the, the privately held business. To make some of these shifts is is huge. You know, even if it's just sending people to get new education, you know, all these various things. Um, and as you were talking, again, I was thinking about, businesses that aren't the giant behemoths that but weren't forward thinking you know i remember oh gosh maybe eight years ago or so having a discussion with um one of my associates who was a website designer new html coding could do it in his sleep all these various things and you know and and we initially would charge five thousand dollars to do a website and, and all these various things and then that little thing called wordpress came along and almost overnight, the, the hardcore web developers had to shift. You know, they, they had to say, okay, well, you know, if you can now do this on your own and create a pretty good website, you know, what are we going to do? Um, you know, and, and I know a lot of web designers that, that went completely out of business because they couldn't make that shift. Um, you know, and, and so it, it is hard and, and, uh, you know, we, we like Marty Crane's chair. It's very comfortable. And I love that analogy because I think that really is, you know, the, the, the big thing is we're comfortable where we are. Sometimes we don't want to admit we're wrong, you know, or that we don't know what's coming, um, you know, and, and things like that. But sometimes it's just total fear or, or we're delusional. You know, WordPress isn't going to work. You know, I still have people that tell me, oh, I'm not going to use WordPress. Really? <laughs> you know? um, now, granted, you know, it, it obviously depends on, on, you know, a variety of things, but there are, you know, or the, the small mom and pop shops that thought they could keep going and that little thing called Amazon wasn't going to affect them or even Walmart or Target or, you know, you, you, you use those examples in your book. So how as a leader how do we go about being forward thinking and, and looking at these industry trends and what might be, you know, what the heck is that train doing? Yeah. You mentioned uh, this just now that uh, I'll pay no attention. That WordPress thing ain't going to happen. And mm-hmm. that actually turned out to be another major red flag or a problem that most prevented many, many organizations from shifting, which is mm-hmm. they, they didn't believe the change was real. They had some what we called arrogance. They said, ah, right. you know, we had a great conversation uh, with the folks at BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and BlackBerry, for those of your listeners may remember, used to be a really big brand, used to be used all I over the world. I loved my BlackBerry. Um, and, and we spoke to the folks at BlackBerry. What happened? And, you know, a mm-hmm. big, and of course, it's never just one thing. It's never right. just mm-hmm. Marty Crane's chair and Golden. It's usually a combination of a lot of things that ends up taking a billion-dollar company like BlackBerry and uh, and almost putting it out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, but arrogance was a big play there because they looked at the iPhone and said, that's a toy. Mm-hmm. You know, people will never give up their keyboards. Right. They're um, going to take pictures with it. And, right. And maybe you know, not. Maybe yeah, it's not really, but any business person knows mm-hmm. that you need a keyboard and the Blackberries are the tool for business titans. And mm-hmm. so this too shall pass. It's sort of the WordPress story. No one will take it really. Uh, and lots of, lots of um, uh, companies do that they say well that you know this too shall pass or this is not real serious um and they 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 have the illusion that nokia in the phone business too did mm-hmm. research and they be very happy that they used to be the number one largest maker of mobile phones mm-hmm. um they say well we've done a ton of research and you know we found that no one will pay more than 75 dollars for a cell phone Mm-hmm. So the you know Apple charging this ridiculous amount and it's gotten more ridiculous. Forget it. No one's going to buy the Apple because people are going to you know we can make a cell phone for seventy nine. No one will pay more than eighty five dollars, and 
And, you know, they just were asking the wrong question. Of course, mm-hmm. no one would pay more than $85 to make a phone call. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they were arrogant. So they right. didn't take um, – uh, and this, you know, across the board, we had a great conversation with some folks uh, from Barnes & Noble. And, um, you know, they, they saw Amazon. They said, but who's going to buy books? Mm-hmm. Online, that's for They could have bought Amazon. They talked about it. We just buy these guys, but they ignored them. They said, "Nah, that, you know, people still want to come to a big bookstore." Right. And uh, and so that arrogance thing is almost as powerful as Marty Crane's mm-hmm. chair. That if even if you see the train coming, most people say, "Ah, it's not that big a deal." Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the the bank saying, "We're too big to fail." Right. You know, no. It, it can happen to anyone, yep. um, you know, and 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 it is it's a challenge because you have things that you know, it, the the cool thing is people are coming up with new ideas all the time, yep. and you know the which is is still interesting to me because you know we you like to think well you know everything's been invented well no you know there are things coming around the pike you know just ask a taxi cab driver what they would have said five years ago about uber and lyft um you know and and all these various things people are always coming up with new ideas and so you have to be at least cognizant of them, um, you know, when, and, you know, we laugh about, you know, people are ostriches, you know, they put their heads in the sand and, and they refuse to think, hey, that's going to happen to me. And invariably it does happen, you know, even if it's just that your business gets run over by technology because you don't, you know, you haven't kept up or whatever. So are there, are there ways for leaders, you know, business owners, you know, to to really you know are there i mean i i read i read i actually read those those physical books i like physical books but i read a lot of of ebooks also you know i read your mm-hmm. your book as as an ebook version i read i look at industry publications but can we get too caught up in doing some things like that well there are two sides to that you know first another major challenge that leads into this conversation is that most companies are playing too much tennis and not enough golf. And what do I mean when I say that? You know, when I was at Unilever in marketing, I was working on brands like uh, Caress and Dove. And mm-hmm. yeah, I was really focused on uh, what I thought was uh, the marketplace. And, but most of my time, in hindsight, was worrying about what Procter & Gamble and Colgate was doing. Mm-hmm. When I worked with Pepsi, I was fixated on what what was Coke doing? Uh, what was Coke doing? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, yes, that's important. You need to be Coke at the aisle. And if they're offering a six-pack of Coke for, you know, $1.49, you have to offer it for $1.49. But what happens in that world is you you pay such close attention to the person as you would in tennis. You know, if you want to – I play tennis and golf badly. But if you play tennis, you want to hit the ball to where the person is not. So you're constantly watching your opponent. Mm-hmm. You're paying such close attention to what you're – competitor is doing mm-hmm. you're not really stepping out and looking as you do in golf you play with somebody but you have to really pay attention to the ball the customer maybe uh, and what's going on the wind the, you know the terrain and so you know while everyone talks about being very focused on the marketplace too many people get sucked into just paying attention to what's right in front of them and so of mm-hmm. course you know you look at most businesses and they're not getting beaten by their competition as much as they're getting, as you said, um, zapped from somewhere they're not even expected. I saw mm-hmm. Tim Cook this morning um, uh, talking about the newest uh, generation of uh, iPhones. And, mm-hmm. and he talked about this new feature that allows you to uh, take phenomenal portrait pictures uh, where you can blur after you take the picture, the mm-hmm. background, and make it look like a studio picture. And he said, you know, and what he said right on the right on the TV show uh, was, uh, and you don't have to go to a photographer and spend five hundred dollars to take a portrait anymore. Right. Look and at every this professional photographer. Photographer is probably <laughs> saying, "Oh, who's going to take a picture? You know, if you want that one family picture for your holiday card, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're going to come to the studio. We're going to do a better job." And you look at the, what this phone can do, and so you know the photography business. You know, so business is way outside of the phone business or you know i i got stuck the other year with in my car and uh, i called the triple a my battery was dead and the guy quickly came over and uh, 
And I said, we were in a dark garage. I said, do you want to borrow my flashlight? And he looked at me like I was from Mars. Mm -hmm. And of course, he popped out his his smartphone and turned Mm -hmm. on the flashlight. So if you're in a flashlight business, you weren't paying attention to Mm -hmm. to phones. You were paying attention to the other flashlight makers. (laughs) And lo and behold, your world is different, just like, unfortunately, the little photography studio on on Main Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they didn't have a tough enough time already, it's going to get tougher. Right. Well, and one of the examples you mentioned in your book that, you know, has now gone completely bankrupt is Toys R Us. You know, fabulous place, great products. Everybody loved their toys. But, you know, I can get the same thing if I go to Walmart and I can get my milk and and a t-shirt at the same time. Right. And, you know, so that, that does end up being the hard thing. You know, what... And who are your competitors? You know, the, right. the, the ones that come from left field really are the ones that I think in many cases do the most damage. Right. They, they transform category. Yeah. And so uh, another thing that, again, we go through a long list of things you should try to avoid, um, you know, try to avoid playing too much tennis, play more golf, look around, uh, look off to the side. But another one is, um, you know, don't get stuck doing too much analysis paralysis mm-hmm. until it's too late. Because another major reason most organizations shift ahead is by the time they decide to, oh, we better do something, their business is so bad. You know, they're losing so much money. Mm-hmm. They no longer have any gasoline in the tank. Right. They or power in the can. battery. <laughs> you know, uh, and so all the good employees jumped all those various right, things. right. And so the Toys R Us people, you know, weren't sure which way to go. So they had a group of the company and setting up you know, price, big, big warehouse type Costco stores with a toys pile of the ceiling, ceiling to, to compete with the Amazons and the price people. And they were creating flagship stores where you could go in and say, what's your, here's my, Johnny's eight years old. He likes uh, this. What mm-hmm. do you recommend? And you could actually speak to someone who could make a good recommendation. But those were two different worlds. And they had both business models going. Mm-hmm. They couldn't decide which way to go as a company. <laughs> so they try to do both, and that's another thing. You know, typically the answer is never obvious, mm-hmm. and if you wait for the answer to become obvious, then you're going to be too late, right? Uh, or you'll be out of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you try to do two things, we had a great conversation with uh, the New York Times journalist um, Thomas Freeman, and one of the things he talked about, one of the changes he talked about, the pace of change and why every company is getting run over um, because of technology and because of globalization and and, and because of uh, other issues. But he talked about this notion that it used to be you could be average, you could do things okay. You were the only you were the only drugstore on the corner, so if your shelves were a little if you were mediocre, you were still going to make money, <laughs> right? Because people would say, "Well, that's the only that's the way you go to a drugstore. Mm-hmm. They're all sort of dusty." And until one day you can double click and have Amazon deliver your prescription right. <laughs> and have it there for half the price. And so, you know, part of this average is over thing. If you're going to be Toys R Us and say we can go left or right or anything you do, mm-hmm. you're better off saying uh, picking one and being great at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because execution matters. Don't do two things or three things, as many companies do, good enough, and then wonder why mm-hmm. they got run over. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I and I don't know why I was thinking of this as as we were going through this. Sometimes it is about figuring out how you can expand your your, your product line. And and a friend of mine just went to Disneyland, Disney World, Disney whatever, um, and. She's an adult, doesn't have kids, you know, so this wasn't a big family adventure. She went and spent an entire week there, but many of the activities that she did were for adults. You know, they they have things now in the evening where it's alcohol related, and I'm thinking a drunk Mickey Mouse, (laughs) but, you know, they have figured out that probably it's, you know, the, the big thing was... The, the initial generation of the Disney kids are, you know, probably around my age. And so, hello, we got older. We grew up with Mickey, and we still like that. But to make it relevant, you have to add things like <clears throat> alcohol. <laughs> you know? right. And so, you know, I think that's one thing that business people need to think of is what can they add to whatever they're doing to continue to stay relevant? Yeah, it doesn't mean, yeah, that's the other thing is that if you wait to, you know, try to, come up with the next iPhone, forget mm-hmm. it, you know, but you should be thinking about being, how do you make yourself relevant or more mm-hmm. relevant 
every day because if you know you're better off making you know four smart uh short term moves mm-hmm. than waiting forever and hoping the big bang takes you over the finish line mm-hmm. so you know, disney's been um um you know people pronounce disney dead when when you know when mickey mouse was no longer your favorite character and mm-hmm. they're going to do and of course you know they bought pixar and they bought uh, Marvel, and all of a sudden, you know, if you don't like Mickey, <laughs> you well, you, you like Spider Man, <laughs> right? Exactly. So they 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 solved that problem. They mm-hmm. also embraced technology, and you know, uh, lots of changes at Disney. You don't even notice because you mm-hmm. go through a Disney experience now. You don't even you know need to have a pass or a ticket. You know, they, they put on a bracelet. They know exactly right. where you are. They mm-hmm. take your picture. They email it to you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the lines are being managed, and so they are they are creating magical experiences in a way that's relevant today. Mm-hmm. If you have kids, or you still want to be a kid, <laughs> or you've never had either, mm-hmm. right? You know, and they they have evolved and they have stayed ahead. And, you know, but we look at that as the small business owner and go, well, yeah, they have billions they had of Mickey, dollars. They had Mickey Mouse, right. Right. You know, they, they have billions that they can do that. And, you know, and, and I love reading things that Walt Disney wrote because he definitely was somebody who thought ahead, you know, and, mm-hmm. and all these things. But how as the small business owner, as the entrepreneur who doesn't have the billions of dollars, you know, what are some steps that we can take to stay relevant? You know, the, the first thing is to, to, um, to do what you uh, started to talk about, which is to get out of, don't be the ostrich, you know, get out of your bubble. So, mm-hmm. so many uh, people are in a bubble in terms of when they have a problem, they talk to, if you have a little store, you talk to the store two doors down and what are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that's good. You need to know what the person two stores away is doing and maybe Mm -hmm. you can learn from them. Uh, But, you know, you've got to zoom out. You've Mm -hmm. got to pull back and, um, and uh, I tell the story in the book of my first uh, job out of business school. And, um, it, it taught me an important lesson is that you know, I, I was interviewing uh, at this big ad agency and I prepared and you've gone through nine interviews and everyone asked you some tricky questions and, mm-hmm. you know, and I was feeling really good. I'd done all my homework and I said, Alan, you did pretty well today. You're going to meet the CEO. And I went to the CEO's office for the final interview and I was ready for him to ask me a question on marketing or media or advertising. And I, I was just, you know, just jumping at the bit to talk right. about everything I had studied and mm-hmm. prepared for. And uh, the CEO said, so, um, Alan, tell me about the last book you read and what you find interesting about it. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I was, all right, well, that's maybe. (laughs) You're thinking, oh, my gosh, now what do I do, right? (laughs) And so I thought, maybe I survived that question. And I thought, now let's get to marketing strategy. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about brand and um, I'm ready for you. And then he said, well, tell me about the last show you went to and why you pick it and what, Mm -hmm. tell me about the last place you travel to, Mm -hmm. what you learn." And after, you know, three or four, I realized that he was not going to ask me about, you know, market research questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was lucky enough, I, I, I survived that. And, you know, years later, I went back and I said, uh, why, why did you ask me those questions? Mm-hmm. He said, look, you know, we need to be the eyes and ears for our clients. Mm-hmm. I want people that are in touch with what's going on in, 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 in culture and in, in entertainment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want our team to to help our client see around the corner mm-hmm. see further and so you know the first thing you need to do as an individual is do that yourself i think which mm-hmm. is you know the companies whether they have leaders or whether you're leading yourself that you know are reading things they ordinarily wouldn't read <laughs> going to parts of the city they ordinarily wouldn't go to <laughs> talking to people that you know don't do exactly the same thing you know one of the biggest challenges companies have they they hire everyone that's just like them right yes and, and who sees the world right mm-hmm. and who see the world in the exact same way they see the world and of course that's a pretty good solution because if you're trying to do what you do better and that that you know everyone's aligned everyone agrees mm-hmm. a lot of people saying oh that great idea Bob I would love that yeah Thumbs up, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have anyone at the meeting, say, well, I don't know, maybe maybe we shouldn't do this. If everyone is yesing you mm-hmm. uh, and everyone has the same 
went to the same school and everyone went to grew up in the same town and everyone drinks the same uh, soft drink. Um, that's a, another red red flag. Right. That you're not going to see a train coming because mm-hmm. you're all looking at the world through the same glasses. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where your corporate culture is so important. Um, you know, we've talked about this many times on my program before. You have to empower the people who work with and for you to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you know? yep. and, and not fear that a, they're going to get fired, or B, they're going to get their head cut off, or right. you know, ignored. Um, you know, and and they have to be able to say, hey, what about if we did this? Or I just read this great article about you know, or, or all those various things. And you know, we as you know, I was also thinking, you know, the hard part is when we're the the business of one, and we don't have those those non-yes man people, you know, saying, but no, you, you, you can get them because right. whether you, you know, uh, we all, if you're lucky enough to have kids, my, my kids are my best uh, reminder that I'm becoming irrelevant every day. I was dropping <laughs> my son off a couple years back in college and we landed at the airport and mm-hmm. being Marty Crane myself, I said, well, let's rent a car. And, uh, and my son, you know, looked at me and said, like I was from Mars. He'd rent right. a car. Uh-huh. I'm not going to take a bus to get into a car to fill out papers. To uh-huh. You know, I've, I've already, while you've been talking about this. Yeah, you know, Uber's looking waiting. For, yeah, <laughs> looking for the, the rental car signs mm-hmm. on, the, on, the, uh, on the walkway. Uh, the, the Uber guy will be here in, uh, in 20 seconds. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, part of it is just, and not if you don't, you don't have somebody telling you you're irrelevant every day like kids can do, mm-hmm. you know, just observe, just, mm-hmm. you know, part of, you know, part of what makes um, executives struggle um, is that they spend their whole day uh, reading emails and being inside the company. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder when, when the world's changed. So uh, lots of uh, successful companies that, and individuals tend to not spend nine to five staring at a screen, double clicking and thinking that, or, you know, just reading market research, but go out and kick the tires. Right. You know, it, it's funny. I was thinking as you were saying that many years ago, I worked for ING, the big financial behemoth. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, it was cubicle world, you know, right. and, and they were the five foot tall, you know, cubicles. And so you could it's see. The Dilbert type. Right, right, right. And our CEO would on occasion stroll the floors. Now, he didn't do it enough to make it commonplace was, was mm-hmm. part of the problem. And so when he would appear, my, one of my, my favorite commercials right now is the Geico commercial where the, the meerkats are popping up out of the cubicles. Yep. And going, you know, and then, and so it was like that when he would, would walk the floor, you know, we would all go, oh my gosh, he's here. What's, why, why is he, what's he, what's, what's going on? What's, you know, and, and he was just wanting to, so, so if you were shopping on Amazon at that right, point, you right, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, or is he here to fire me or, you know, whatever. And you're thinking, you know, and so you've got your little head or you run and hide, you know, it's like everybody had to go to the bathroom all of a sudden. And so, you know, and he was really just wanting because, you know, I, I was close enough to him that I went up and I said, what the heck are you doing? He just wanted to, to go and see people. You know, he wanted to get out of his office, but all it did was instill fear mm-hmm. because he didn't do it often enough. Right. And, you know, so if you're that leader, you need to get out, um, you know, and, and not hide behind your desk. And, and it is hard because you have, you know, lots of things that you need to be doing, but, you know, don't make it so that people run and hide when they, they see you. You know, and, and as the, the one person shop, don't just stay in your office all the time. And that's, that's, you know, I'm looking at my calendar. I have one meeting outside of my office this entire week. That's not a good thing. Now, granted, you know, you can waste too much time going out and about. And heavens, folks, don't rely on getting all your information from Facebook. Love Facebook, right. but that's not, you know, that's not it. We need to get out. We need to be part of mastermind groups. And even if they're online, you know, things right. like that. That is part of how we're going to grow and stay relevant is talking to other people. You know, even if it's just, you know, what, to, you know, what shows are you watching now? You know, the new yeah. seasons have, have begun, all these various things, because those will help you see trends that could be coming that will affect your business. You mentioned uh, your schedule and, I, and you mentioned Facebook. I had a great conversation with the uh, uh, the CMO of Facebook, uh, who was just actually uh, leaving Gary Briggs. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, he talked about, we talked a lot, about a lot of things about Facebook, but one of the things he talked about was their ability to, to, to see and move things 
uh, and move fast is mission in technology. You know, if you, if you don't move fast, you don't even, there's nothing else. Right. Um, and what they had instituted to, because they, you know, they're pretty big, <laughs> uh, was that when Gary was on, or somebody of the team was on a mission critical project, they had something, it was something, I don't recall exactly what it's called, a hall pass. Mm-hmm. And so the hall pass enabled them to clear their calendar. They didn't have to go to the, uh, um, you know, uh, meeting about sales mm-hmm. forecast. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go that that week or that month to the uh, meeting about uh, uh, where to park your car. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden, if they were working on a mission, they could clear their calendar of everything. And what most people have is when I, you know, when I would go into the office, I would be gridlocked. If somebody mm-hmm. said, look, can we spend two hours and talk about a problem? I say, well, I can give you 20 minutes on Tuesday between 2 and 2.15. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in that world where you're gridlocked, you're not able to either do two things. You're not able to um, uh, focus on anything because you're mm-hmm. just being bombarded with, you're, you're literally uh, gridlocked in. But you're also not able to do another thing, uh, which is, I think, tied to the topic we're talking about, which is, uh, you know, getting out. Mm-hmm. Is that um, in my conversation with Tom Freeman, he talked about his latest book, which is, you know, Thank you for being late, which talks about that his best time is when somebody's half an hour late for a meeting, mm-hmm. that he can actually sit in the reception area and think that. about it. And so, you know, part of solving big problems, part of observing is literally instead of, you know, uh, taking the, 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 you know, the bus between two points and getting there in eight minutes, taking an hour and walking and really smelling, <laughs> smelling the, smelling the roses right. because, you know, sometimes solving problems takes perspective and the ability to think. And if you've got, you know, there's, there's this uh, phenomenon going through business today called, I think, uh, I'm not sure if who said this, but it's a busyness phenomenon. There's a belief that if you can answer a hundred emails an hour and do two texts and, you know, knock out four position papers, you know, the more you do, if you're doing two things at once, three things at once, you are more effective, more, right. more, more successful than the person that can struggle to get two emails out. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, in shifting ahead, more is not better. You know, mm-hmm. shifting ahead is if you're going to make a change, you're, you're not going to be figuring out how to make that change on Tuesday between two and two fifteen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is that misperception you know we all think that it's it's quantity versus quality yeah. um, you know and and you know how many meetings can i go to and i've i've heard people say well i went to five meetings today right okay were any of them death by meeting <laughs> probably most of them i saw a great yeah. coffee mug the other day i just died in a meeting that could have been handled by an email <laughs> and i'm thinking wow, wouldn't that have been so much fun to go into a meeting with say the ceo and just plunk your your coffee mug down that says that um, of course yeah. none of us really probably have that much nerve exactly but, you know that is the thing is you know we need as you know as business professionals to think about how are we scheduling our time um yeah. you know i talked about getting out there and and you know leaving your office and doing things well but that might not be the best use of time. Um, yeah. You know, the, the hour drive to the meeting, the eating the, the chicken, the spending 10 minutes networking in the hour back. Okay, really, was that the best use of your time? Yeah. Well, if, that, if you did something in those 10 minutes that was spectacular, sure. Right. But if it was the, you know, if you were just going and saying hi to the 10 people that you said hi to last week, no, it's, it's not worth it. So right. part of being relevant is and maybe the time management, the being cognizant, all of those right. things. You know, they, my colleague uh, had a great phrase for this. And, you know, we looked at lots of companies and, you know, by and large, many companies that failed to shift ahead, big and small, made, if you would, the future an agenda item. They said, mm-hmm. well, we're going to talk about tomorrow <laughs> on Friday at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we're right. going to have our futures meeting, our planning uh-huh. And of course, you know, you know, something would hit the fan at two thirty, and that meeting never happened. But the the belief that you can think about tomorrow um, on Friday at three o'clock versus thinking about tomorrow Monday at eight o'clock mm-hmm. and Tuesday at eight o'clock was another one of those. If you're if you, if you have uh, an organization where you do your planning once a year, once a quarter, uh, a Friday afternoon at three o'clock. Uh, fasten your seatbelt because your competitors are thinking about it every day. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and, and that is the thing to remember is you might have your day scheduled, but somebody else is planning it already. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's where people get caught behind the eight ball and, and can't catch up. You know, and, and granted, there are some that can, but yeah. for the most part, if you're always the person behind, that view never changes. And you know, that's not always really a good view. Yep. You know, and then the other thing I was thinking of is, as we were talking about, and you mentioned Facebook, and it triggered something that I was thinking about is sometimes you make mistakes. And then it's wise to know when to cut your losses. Yeah. How long did Facebook, you know, and this was, oh, I don't know, three, four, two years ago when Facebook offered their own phone. Because, you yeah. know, they thought, oh, hey, well, we're in the, the, you know, we're on a mobile platform. Therefore, we should offer a mobile phone. And that was a disaster. You know, they, yeah. it, but they cut their losses and they went, nope, nope, not going to do that. Um, and that's, well, that's hard that's, too. You've made that investment. Yeah, you know, uh, if you go through the offices, there, you know, on the wall uh, is a phrase. Not every office, not every, but you know, move fast and break things. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's been well documented. You know, if you if there's a fear of failure, you end up, which is yet another symptom. Mm -hmm. If your team is so risk averse that they're going to study things, and everyone is scared to. Um, to make a change, you're also, uh, it's another one of those, here are 10 things that could prevent you from shifting. We have, mm -hmm. I worked with Procter & Gamble for many years, and they were terrific client, terrific company, terrific culture. But when I spoke to some leaders from Procter & Gamble for this book, who uh, were there and had just recently left, and talk about the challenges they're facing right now in the marketplace, which are severe, one of the things they talked about was that we have this massive middle at mm -hmm. P. But the leaders know they need to change. The people we are hiring out of school are pushing us to be more agile. Mm -hmm. But we're, we have this massive middle of middle managers who are incredibly risk averse. They right. mortgages. Well, they, they want to keep their jobs. Right. They got kids in school. They've you know, and and so they're not going to march into your office and say, "Gee, you know, I wonder if people are going to buy Gillette razor blades tomorrow." Uh, at Target, if we're charging this much, if they can get them online for half, mm -hmm. do you think we should get into that? They're going to say, oh, everything's fine. We're going to figure out, we're going to do a buy we're two, Gillette. get one free. We're Gillette. Buy. It's the best a man can be. Well, let's mm -hmm. just up the advertising. And we, you know, our formula, part of it was a function of their success. We've gone through tough times before when shit came after us. We did this mm -hmm. and let's go to the game book and do what's tried and true and let's not be crazy and get into the online business. And of course, that's not the conversation ahead. But, you know, as they got their clock cleaned and continue to get their clock clean uh, in the razor category, um, it's the massive middle that's this risk averse side. Mm -hmm. that, you know, even if you're 10 people, you're going to have three people that uh, are in the middle that you just need to be, you know, it's nothing wrong. You just have to be cognizant that mm -hmm. how do you help those people do what they know is right mm -hmm. without the fear of, um, recommending to Mark Zuckerberg that you get into the phone business. Right. It comes back to what we were saying before. It's that empowerment thing. Yep. Um, you know, and, 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 you know, if you're the one person business, maybe it's, you know, that your neighbor says, Hey, you know, what do you think about? But right. we have to be open to those suggestions. And, yep. you know, and, and granted, there are plenty of times where we're going to go, no, mm -mm, that's, that is not going to work. Just not going to go there. But, you know, maybe we need to spend the hour investigating it, um, you know, all these various things and, and doing the what ifs, you know, what, yeah. you know, what if we no longer had to worry about this or, you know, back to, to website design, what if all of these templates were developed and, and somebody can just, you know, drop stuff in, you know, how can I, you know, as a web developer, how can I deal with that? You know, what if this really does happen? And I love the what if conversations, you know, mm -hmm. because they're, they're fun, they're scary, but you know, it's, it, the, you really need to be having those, even if you're just talking to your spouse and saying, okay, what if I decide to do this or, you know, whatever. Yep. And, um, you know, and then the trick becomes turning a what if into, okay, mm -hmm. let's do it. Um, and, uh. That's always a you know challenge because you know the other thing that separates you know many companies from successfully shipping is when they do something they have to really do it and in today's world right. you can't sort of, do halfway right um, and um, 
and that's easier said than done too mm -hmm. um, uh, because uh, uh, we live in a world today that the biggest marketing tool everyone knows this but uh, is 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 word of mouth mm -hmm. and everyone's saying oh yes we need to do something yeah can you give me a, an idea that will go viral I don't have any money but do something that people are going to talk about and you know that like there's some magic but the mm -hmm. strategy for how to win word of mouth is just like how to stay relevant it's it's obvious the the, the challenge is it's really hard people only share extraordinary Mm -hmm. No one shares yeah, good or I, bad. Yeah, no one shares exactly. No one shares. I had an, I flew to L.A. and the plane uh, got to the. It right got me there, and <laughs> they didn't lose my bags, and yeah. uh, you know, I had some peanuts, and no one, you know, you know, if gee, the pilot got lost and landed in Cleveland, I'm sure that would go viral, mm -hmm. and you know, or if you had a phenomenal thing that I was bumped to first class and somebody gave me a back rub, and then I got there early and they had a car waiting, you know, yeah, that will get shared, but mm -hmm. if it's just yeah, sort of same old, same old. No one, no one wants to go online and say, "Let me tell you, I got took a plane plane ride to L.A. and I got there roughly on time, or even an hour late." And mm -hmm. you know, the peanuts right. were peanuts. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. We <laughs> and part of that is social media's fault. I mean, you know, right. we, you know, but but it comes back to you know, I'm I'm an old PR person. You know, <laughs> yeah. I should say old, but you know, PR back from the the good old days, and and we were taught. If it bleeds, it leads. And mm -hmm. that obviously is still the case, you know, with, right. with whatever it is. The more sensational it is, right. the more likely it is that it's going to, to be shared, be told, be whatever. And that's the good and the bad. You know, right. if it was something, some big horrific failure, well, we love that, you know, because we like to see that somebody else crashed and burned. Right. Or, you know, if it was really, really great customer service, we love those too. Yeah. You know, I saw a story on Facebook just yesterday where somebody was talking about Southwest Airlines mm -hmm. and they had bought their tickets and then had some horrible catastrophic things happen in their life They and, and they weren't going to be able to make their trip. And so they called Southwest with their, their sad tale of woe. And, you know, Southwest actually has really good, you know, plans with you, you can rebook and, and all sorts of things, but they really just said, you know, we just need our money back. And normally companies would say, nah, sorry. Especially and there's a $200 penalty. And, right, right, you know, yeah. You know, and it's only $0.29. You know. right. And they got their money back. And she said, and the person called later to follow up to see how she was doing. So, I mean, that was somebody who went way above and beyond. You know, and, right, and That's so, what it takes today. Yeah. And mm -hmm. um, again, you know, easier said than done. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, you know, Alan, we've scared people. <laughs> we've told them, you know, all these catastrophic things. We've got just a little over five minutes left. Talk about good things, successes. You know, what are our things that you have seen where someone has been forward thinking? And, you know, whether it's a large company or, you know, somebody small, talk to us about when the good stuff happens. You know, the, when the good stuff happens, um, uh, that we could go back to Disney as an example, but um, we had a, a, a couple of good conversations with, with Marriott. And, you know, one of the things that struck me about, we were just talking about uh, travel and hotels and can't go and is that um, part of the culture at Marriott helps it stay relevant. And uh, there were two things that struck us, you know, one was, uh, Bill Marriott, who, who who said a couple things, but one he behaved in a way that he, one of the sayings about him is was that his feet never touched his desk, and what that meant was that uh, where we talked about earlier, he was constantly in the hotels, in the restaurants, talking to the front desk, mm -hmm. walking the walk, shaking the doorman's hand, and really had a belief, and this is also true of some of the other people we spoke to that. In a service business, you know, you could have the finest carpeting and the fluffiest, fluffiest towels, but ultimately, it's the people that make your experience. And so, mm -hmm. you know, he lived it every day and instilled the culture where the company uh, empowers its front line, its people to do what uh, you just described in that mm -hmm. uh, story about Southwest. And he also had another thing, which I think is a, an important a little lesson. Um, which his quote was, you know, success is never final. Um, and, you know, if we think about all the companies that uh, struggle with this, they sometimes say, we've done it. 
we're here, we're on top of the hill. And had this, it doesn't have to be all the way the arrogance, you know, you've arrived, you go out and buy the, the fancy sports car and that's it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you can keep a bit of the, uh, the founder's mentality, the feeling that, you know, a little bit of the Andy Grove, the former uh, Intel leader, that only the paranoid survive without being, you know, crazy about it. But if, 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 you, if you keep that ability to say, all right, I had a pretty good week, pretty mm-hmm. good year, pretty, but that's last year. And mm-hmm. that was based on, and if I'm going to play the game again, and I do the exact same thing, it's unlikely I'll come in first again. So mm-hmm. keeping success is never final in your head, um, you know, really helps. Um, um, and, and, and the other thing is doing a few things. And lots of companies that shift ahead don't, do, don't invent the iPhone. Don't do something magical. Mm-hmm. They just do something that, that helps them stay relevant every day. Right. And, and maybe that's the, the best thing for people to remember is it doesn't have to be monumental. It can be little steps, but little steps that are keeping you ahead or even, even, you know, we, we can say even with the, the competition, but you know, it can, it can just be a little step because there really are only so many people who come up with Uber and right. Airbnb and the right. iPhone and all of those things. But, you know, there's the person who comes up with, you know, there, there's a commercial here on uh, Atlanta radio that, you know, you will, even in the middle of the night, your call will be answered within 15 seconds. You know, mm-hmm. I want to call them at two in the morning just to just, see if they really right. do. But, you know, I'm, I'm assuming you know, there probably really is at two because, you know, it's, it's more like at noon is that going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, maybe their competitors answer within 30 seconds. You know, so is it a little thing that you can do that will keep you there? And it's those little things that matter. I, mm-hmm. We had a conversation, I'll tell you this last quick story, uh, uh, about Central Park in New York City. And if you look back online, Central Park used to be, you know, a mess, garbage mm-hmm. piled up. Right. And it was dangerous, too. Dangerous, you know, large rats that looked like small cats. And, and so when I spoke to the folks at the Central Park Conservancy nonprofit, and I said, you know, how, do, how did Central Park go from – uh, you know, garbage to the high, to the ceiling and large rodents to what it is today. And they said, well, you know, we did one simple but hard thing. We, we broke the park into lots of little backyards and gave every person a backyard. And I see it, I'm lucky enough to live near Central Park. And when mm-hmm. I go for my morning run, I see the same face in the golf cart in her little section of the park mm-hmm. and it, it's become her backyard. Mm-hmm. So if I'm thinking of dropping a piece of paper, I'm not going to in her yard. I'm in her yard. And mm-hmm. yet, and so she doesn't just do the pick up the, she worries about the plants and she, it's her backyard. She does mm-hmm. everything in that little square space from mm-hmm. picking up any trash to helping the plants to fertilizing, to watering to, so it's her backyard. Mm-hmm. And by combining, you know, hundred backyards um you had somebody accountable for a little piece of green oh mm-hmm. uh, and you had people seeing that person getting to see the same person and again you you know um no another famous phrase no one washes a rental car right. <laughs> you know but she owned this piece and mm-hmm. because of that simple execution yeah many other things happened of course central park you know the, the city's economy got better and mm-hmm. yeah. lots of money came in and you know lots of other things but mm-hmm. um you know, so don't think that you can't shift ahead mm-hmm. because it doesn't take um, a stroke of lightning to say, gee, how do I do something simple that will make a big difference? Right. Well, Alan, I've been having a fabulous time. We've been talking about your book, Shift Ahead, How the Best Companies Stay Relevant in a Fast-Changing World. But tell us how people find you and connect with you online, and, and very briefly, tell us what Metaforce does. So you can read about the book at shiftaheadbook.com, and that will uh, tell you uh, some more stories and perhaps uh, give you some more insight. And uh, Metaforce is a company that grew out of Shift Ahead, helping companies shift ahead. And so we're sort of a special forces team to help figure out what what should a company do. And then, importantly, helping them do it. Because the biggest challenge is somebody saying, here's your instruction book. 
Mm-hmm. But if you're not good at reading instructions or don't have the right people to help you, um, so we pivot then to to doing um, the execution part. So Metaforce helps companies shift ahead. Perfect. And you can reach and- Metaforce. You can reach uh, at metaforce.co mm-hmm. or Alan at metaforce.co. Perfect. I love it. Well, it, we didn't even talk branding, and I love talking branding. So we'll have to have you on again yeah, so that we to can come back. talk about that. Um, and until until then, you know, we want people to obviously check out your book. And again, I found it very relevant whether you're the one person entrepreneur all the way up to the gigantic companies of the world. We all have to stay relevant, you know, and, yep. and so it's, it's a great book. And so I do encourage people to get it. So I am Deb Creer. I've been having a great time talking with Alan Adamson. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real life stories and techniques to power up your business. You've been listening to C-Suite Radio. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.